Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer. 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 Just school starting and yeah, a lot's going on with us. Yeah. We got a lot of new things happening. So so true, and so many events coming up, family-wise. Uh-huh. We got weddings, we have trips, we have all kinds of stuff. So hey, but guess what? We passed a year for the podcast. That's so it's true. It's actually been a year Happy and a month. Anniversary. Happy year anniversary. And me and Casey's anniversary is actually tomorrow. Oh, that's sweet. Five years. Ew, it's a long time. <laughs> Uh, Alrighty. So, super excited to hear yeah. this case. Yeah, I'm excited have? to do a case. Today we are going to talk about Diane Stouty. Okay. Diane Stouty. But in order to talk about Diane Stouty, we're first going to talk about Mark Stouty and okay. their family. Mark Stouty was a musician. He absolutely loved to play the harmonica, among other instruments. He um, actually played in a local band. They were called Messing with Destiny. Ooh. Ooh. We'll see about that. (laughs) So this is actually the year 2012, and the band was actually enjoying quite a bit of success at this time. They seemed to be doing really well. They were touring a lot locally, but they had a lot of gigs coming up. So uh, Mark was super proud about that. Mark was 45, and he had been happily married to Diane Stoudy for 27 years. They had actually met in college, and they married in 1985. I don't like how you're saying was and had been. <laughs> they could have gotten divorced. Okay. Just, just listen. Divorcing a killer. Divorcing a killer. Well, we say diagnosing a divorce. <laughs> diagnosing a divorce. <laughs> We're not marriage counselors. Diane was a hardworking nurse, and she was an active member of the church. She even played the organ for the congregation on most weekends. So That's kind of hard. Yeah, they were kind of a musically talented family. So, Within six months of their marriage, Mark and Diane had their first child named Sean. They would go on to have four amazing children in total, the eldest being Sean, 26, Sarah, 24, Rachel, 22, and Rihanna, 9 to 12. And the only reason is because some accounts I saw that she was 12 at the time of I'm like, an event. You're naming their ages event. <laughs> about when something happened because they're not that age forever. Well, I'm talking about in the year tw- 2012. Gotcha, gotcha. So in the year 2012, these were their ages. Sean, 26. Sarah, 24. Rachel, 22. And then Brianna, like I said, 9 or 12. Um, I'm pretty sure in most accounts she was 9. But then I saw something where it was like, Brianna was born X amount of years, like 10 years later. So then I was like, well, that would make her 12, not nine. Uh, So I don't know. I just, that's why I said nine to 12. Yeah. Different sources. Yeah. And we want to be, we always want to be accurate with our info. Yeah. We like to say I also want to be respectful of the minor too. So Yeah, of course. So the whole family lived in Springfield, Missouri. They actually lived in a very modest three bedroom, one bathroom house. Oh my gosh. And there were six of them. Six of them? Yeah. Wow. The eldest being the boy, and then the rest all girls. Yeah, yeah that can be a, a struggle in and itself, you know? Right. Like, they're completely different, especially after certain ages, you know, their bathroom habits are a lot different, you know? One <laughs> bathroom yeah. with three 20-year-olds? Like, yeah. no thank you. <laughs> sure that thing was cluttered. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Our bathroom is cluttered, and we, it's just two and of it's us. It's just two of us and a baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mark was described as letting the kids pretty much get away with anything. He was really nice and loved his children very much. They were absolutely... Like, they ruled his life. He Mm -hmm. loved his kids. He was pretty much a stay-at-home dad other than part-time working with the band to just make extra money at night. But mostly he's, you know, would drive them to and from soccer practice or to the movies with their friends or the mall, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So he was a really doting dad. Was, was, was. I don't like those (laughs) words. Diana, however, wasn't crazy about uh, Mark's nice lifestyle, if you will. Um, she had said that she didn't care for the band. She always thought that Mark had a drinking problem or like a smoking problem. Hi, Amy. Hi. 
Oh my god, we have to keep that in there. What are you doing? Bad boy. He's a little boy. That was so cute. He's like, me. me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> she worked full time and she felt that most of the financial burden was on her. She didn't approve of his lifestyle, like going out at night. She didn't care for the band thing. She kind of always had a problem with Mark drinking or smoking while he was out, mostly because Mark wasn't in that great of health anyways. So she kind of had a problem with him, like, going out and drinking or smoking. What do you mean um, by that, though? Like, he had, um, like, he was, like, kind of a bigger guy. Just in general, he was kind of a bigger guy. Um, maybe some, like, high blood pressure, things like that. Mm. So she wasn't really, like, she thought he was just going out, getting messed up all the time, you know. Yeah. Which, by all accounts, he kind of wasn't. Like, his, from what I could tell, a lot of his bandmates were, like, I mean, he drank a few beers. He would smoke a cigarette or two. But he wasn't, like, going out getting shwasty. Yeah. But I can also see how, especially having four kids, maybe not during that time, but maybe, like, when they were younger, you know, him not being around a lot or not very often is probably a little bit more stressful on her, of course, because she's now having to not only take care of all the finances and all that stuff, but also the kids, you know? Right. I'm sure that, um, you know, she... <laughs> it's <laughs> just she... gonna have to be a thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Seamus is the guest uh, guest star tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was probably because she was working so much, she was also probably just really resentful of the fact that he, it seemed like he was going out just to party yeah. and whatever. But it made sense to him because he was at home with the kids during the day and he could make extra money at night. Yeah, I guess that I guess that I can see that from both from both perspectives. Yeah. Even his daughter Rachel would recall that he just constantly drank soda, like a lot of soda at a lot a lot of times. And that, um, especially when he was at home, he would enjoy rum and cokes on occasion, so. Diane was described as, although friendly, she seemed to be guarded and standoffish when it came to doing things outside of her comfort zone, like meeting new people, okay. or going to family events, or friend events. The kids recalled that Mark and Diane would regularly fight, however, uh, inside the home, and although that they tried to hide it from the kids, the older they got, the more aware they became that their parents had, like, a huge inability to get along. Well, I mean... Unfortunately, it's a lot younger of an age than you'd think for kids, for that to affect kids and, you know, children. And they remember things like that, you know? Yeah. They remember, I've read a bunch of studies about it, like, you know, kids remembering their parents fighting when they were as little as, like, two and a half or I'm three. Sure, you yeah, know? I'm and, sure it can be traumatizing because it's two people that you love and no love you, but why don't they love each other? Exactly. Or maybe, like, yeah. of course they do, but maybe in, like, the kid's mind, yeah, like, they don't get along, like, they don't... They don't have a, a you know, a, yeah. <laughs> they don't. What I'm trying to say is that it's like adults introducing adult things to a child, right? Because children don't argue like that because mm -hmm. they don't have the mental capability yet because they don't have all of that, you know. Yeah, and a lot of it is and stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah, a lot of it is um, just adult conversations, like adults having adult conversations with adults, and they e kids either want to be a part of it. You know, you always see, like, Dr. Phil episodes when they're like, don't talk to kids about adult things. Literally. It shouldn't be on their mind. It shouldn't worry them. So I bet it's hard for kids not to understand, like, these adult situations and things that don't necessarily affect them. Yeah. I feel like it can kind of be compared to, like, listening to two people talk in another language. Like, you can tell if it's a negative conversation, even though you don't understand the language. Yeah, because um, you feel like the, the context yeah. and attention. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. On more than one occasions, the two would actually throw things at each other. Plates and stuff like that. Diane what? was m more so than Mark, but yeah. They I would never throw understood that. You say like plates, like those break. Yeah. I never understood. Why would you want to like, uh, especially guys, like I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like stereotype, but men typically are the ones that throw Punching things and they get mad. Yeah, or punch walls or break <laughs> things. I'm like, dude, you're just going to be mad now again that you just broke something and have to fix exactly. it or have to pay yeah. for it. I never understood that. I threw my phone at my wall one time <laughs> in, like, high school because I got mad and it made, like, a huge dent in the wall and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> like, never again. <laughs> no one ever knew about that. It's just that. a reminder. Yeah. I used to have a friend that would uh, purposely buy paintings just to put over the few that the few walls, yes. like punches on the wall exactly but that's just ignoring the problem well then you get the painting off the wall and you smash it over <laughs> someone's head it is a hole in that <laughs> so by all accounts mark was like a really great dude right but <clears throat> diane seemed to be strict 
Sean, from an early age, was actually diagnosed to be on the spectrum, and he actually had a seizure seizure disorder from the time that he was very young. Oh, wow. He rarely ever left the comfort of his room, and he would actually dive headfirst into video games and just shut out the world around him. Honestly, having a seizure disorder is probably... I would probably do the same thing. I wouldn't want to go far from, like, my comfort. You yeah, know, and also, like, the parents are arguing, so, like, why would you want to leave your room anyways? Exactly. Put like, the headphones on. Put the headphones so on and ignore the world. Exactly. He actually never really left home at all. It was really difficult for him to hold down a job because he got overwhelmed very easily since Mm -hmm. he was on the spectrum. He enjoyed things like comics, puzzles. He usually kept to himself and was described by his family as relatively low maintenance, other than the occasional flu, um, since he didn't have a really good immune system. Mm -hmm. He also loved to play video games and would often snack on junk food, all that stuff. Brianna also struggled with the, uh, the youngest. She also struggled with a learning disability, and she needed extra focus when completing homework and things like that. Sarah had been away at college, so Sarah's the 24-year-old. She had been away at college, but um, like most college students, she began to fall on hard times being away from home. Yeah. She had little money. She had student debt that she needed to pay off at this point, and she pretty much had no uh, support from family where she was living. So she decided to move back home into the house to get um, back on her feet. By all accounts, Rachel, the 22-year-old, and her mother Diane were very, very close. Often they would do a lot of things together. Diane even began to teach Rachel how to play the organ, just like her mom at church. Oh, that's cool. So they would go to church every Sunday together. Diane would often post on social media about Rachel's accomplishments, however small. Rachel seemed to be, like, good at anything, excelled at anything. She had all A's in school. She seemed to be good at and she seemed to excel at everything from art, chemistry, math. She even played the flute. She was a really smart girl. The star pupil. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. No, no. So one week in early April 2012, around Easter, Mark was set to record in the studio with the band on Saturday. Mark's band members stated that he was acting strangely when he arrived, disoriented. He was even running late, which was really unlike him, for such an important event. A lot of his band members said that he looked really sick, like he looked green, like because he was so nauseous. Okay. The band was unable to record that night because Mark seemingly had no idea what was going on. He could not focus. He was completely disoriented. For like seemingly no reason. Seemingly no reason. Um, they said that he did maybe seem intoxicated, but again, this is like that he had had a few drinks while he was there, but again, this was a really important event to him and it would be really unlike him to get shit face wasted while they're using studio time and things like that. Very, very weird. Yeah. Either way, Mark had gone home that night, um, to sleep it off. When he arrived, Diane said that Mark was stumbling around and he was disoriented And that she was kind of used to seeing Mark be drunk, or at least having had a few drinks after hanging out with the band, so she just helped him to bed. Oh, okay. She just helped him to bed. Well, let me get get you ready for bed. What are you doing? It's like she's planting all these seeds that, like, (laughs) he's a drunk. Like, he's he's, a drunk. I'm used to it, seeing him. Just used to it. And, you know, the fact that this podcast started out with her name does not give me much hope for her. Continue. So she just helped him to bed. Everything's fine, right? Upon witnessing this, however, Mark's son, Sean, would post on social media. No. Quote, my father is slowly getting sicker. His voice is slurred and his walking is wobbly. End quote. Slowly getting sicker. Perhaps someone that's been poisoned over a period of time? Question mark. What? That was... In 2012, when Facebook was, like, popping and you posted yeah. everything that you thought under the sun ever. Exactly. You would, it didn't matter if you posted 18 statuses a day. Right. So it's just, like, here's what's happening. So that's, like, legitimate, like, account of, like, weird. what's going on. It's a little oh my weird. God. I would post, like, going outside, it's raining, or whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, or, like, hot as balls today. Yeah, exactly. I hit my 10,000th step today. Yeah. Isn't it, like, so cringy? And you don't have Facebook so anymore, weird. but I don't. listeners, isn't it so cringy when you get, like, a 10 10 year ago, like, reminder on Facebook, and you're like, I don't want to know about all of the shit that I said, <laughs> like, and cringe city over here, like, these no are my thinking. selective thoughts about the departed, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> or Inception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Inse- I think that is the same year that Inception <laughs> Maybe, came out. yeah. Either way, it might be a reference to the fact that Diane knew, and some of the kids knew, that he was having health issues. 
because that was also talked about, you know, like his high blood pressure and the drinking and, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe that was, I mean, they argued in the, in the house all the time. Maybe that was a few arguments that they had was about his drinking. So. Well, it also kind of makes me think that maybe while he's away, Diane is like telling the kids like, oh, your father's a drunk, like this and that, the other. And when this... Uh, Sean says, you know, that he's getting sicker. He's referring to, like, his alcoholism, maybe? Right, yeah. yeah. So there's there's a lot of different interpretations, yeah. I guess. So the next morning, Diane wakes up early. Um, this is Sunday. Uh, her and Rachel go to church, and they leave Mark asleep in the bed, and just assuming he's probably got a righteous hangover, not a big deal. She leaves her church, but then when she arrives back home several hours later, she finds that Mark is actually not breathing. Uh, wait, hold on. They sleep in the same bed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a fucking distinct difference in someone that is just hungover and not feeling well and someone that is dead. <laughs> also. She said not breathing. Not for nothing. But when I wake up, no matter how much of a rush I am or whatever I'm in or whatever we, like, last, especially if we've been drinking the night before, I always wake Casey up before <laughs> you, you I leave. You put your finger under his nose to feel him I'm breathing? Like, are you alive? <laughs> No, but I always, well, of course I kiss him, kiss him goodbye, but yeah. I always make sure that he's good to go before I leave, especially if we've been drinking that yeah. before. Oh yeah, for That's sure. That's just irresponsible. It is Or it was purposeful. <laughs> I'm over here like Or it's alcohol poisoning. <laughs> or it's real poisoning and she's trying to play it off. Go ahead. Um, so she immediately calls police. The entire family is shook convenient that she has just been gone for the past three hours yeah of course well it's sunday she can't miss church unfortunately mark was pronounced dead by the time that police arrived Shocker. diane had said that mark had not been feeling well in the last week and when asked why she didn't take mark to the hospital diane said that mark insisted that he was fine and he didn't want to go to the hospital I don't know if y'all heard that, but Seamus' meow is so cute. It's so small. He's, like, around the corner from us, too. You can still hear it on the microphone. He wants us to go out there and pet him. He's (laughs) The medical examiner who performed Mark's autopsy stated in their report that there seemed to be no signs of foul play. There were no bruising or abrasions, head contusions, or hemorrhaging at all. But he did notice a red ring around Mark's mouth. Like, blood or fluid of some kind. So given Mark's lifestyle and the steady progression of him not feeling well, the ME did classify Mark's passing as being of natural causes. He was cremated shortly after. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about the toxicology report? There was no toxicology. Convenient, don't you think? (laughs) He was cremated shortly after. Shortly after. Like, today. the ringer. (laughs) The same day. Oh, he's dead. Okay, cremate him. Cremate him. (laughs) No, it's like, what is it? John Mulaney, when he's like, all the Irish people keep in all of their emotions. He's like, he's like, oh, your son died. He's like, okay, do it. Bear the boy. Bear the boy. Bury the boy. (laughs) He's like, we're just not going to focus on the emotions of anything. The band was devastated, of course. Um, they actually insisted on playing at Mark's memorial service. The band did have suspicions when they noticed that Diane wasn't seemingly upset about Mark's passing at all at the service. She would say things like, she would say things like, quote, everyone grieves differently, end quote, or quote, I guess it just hasn't hit me yet, end quote, which is like also kind of understandable, but it's like, because it's so sudden, but at the same time, like, who says everyone grieves differently when, when they're, they're the one grieving? grieving? It's so... Why would you put that in people's heads? Why, Why? would you do that? She's making an excuse for the fact that she's, she's not, not upset. reacting. <laughs> what? <laughs> I still want to know. So the Stouty family was actually awarded $20,000 in life insurance. The family did the best that they could to try to move on from the sudden death, however... They would end up selling their family home as Mark's death was a lot to handle for the kids. Let's be honest, like, they need the room, too. Because they're in a three, you know, and they're like, oh, well, if we can sell this house, plus the 20K, you know, the kids were really freaked out about what happened to him at the house. Yeah, in the house. Yeah, they, like, said that they couldn't sleep, things like that. So it made sense to move. I get it. Plus, they need the room, right? Little do they know they're moving with the killer. With the killer. I don't know. I really don't know this case. So I'm like, it's speculating. 
Seamus, shut up. The child has been put outside. <laughs> we can continue without the meowing. Go ahead. <laughs> He's so desperate. He's so cute. He's so funny. We should post a picture of him on the Instagram. Maybe people will like our pictures <laughs> more. He's like, I have a TikTok account and he gets more likes than anything else I on know, my TikTok he's account. so cute. So everything in the family started to kind of go back to normal somewhat, right? Until about five months later. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Someone else got sick. In September of 20, 2012, Sean began to experience flu-like symptoms. No. Which we all know was an unusual because of his prior health complications. But this time, Sean began experiencing extreme symptoms. He started throwing up. He had diarrhea, constant nausea, body aches, and headaches. This went on and off for about three weeks. And why didn't he go to the doctor? Sometimes getting better, sometimes getting worse. But one afternoon, Diane came home from church with Rachel to find Sean collapsed on the floor of his room. After notifying first responders and them arriving, Sean was pronounced dead at the scene. Five months after his dad? Five months after his dad. Does she have, like, Munchausen by proxy? Go ahead. Who? The mom. (laughs) Ah! Who's still? (laughs) It's not the (laughs) nine-year-old. At first, the concern was that the family was actually experiencing some, some type of contagion or that they were passing things around like to each other. genetic or something? Right, yeah. something genetically. But again, or hereditarily, yeah. Sean's body was actually taken to the Emmy's office, and once again it was determined that Sean had passed away from pre-existing health conditions. Although the Emmy did report that Sean did have a red ring of dried blood around his mouth. What the fuck? And of course he would be cremated. Of course, right away. Of course, right away. Bear the boy. Take that. Take that. No toxicology. No toxic. No, no toxicology. <laughs> no toxicology report. What? Oh, and then, I'm sorry. I'm sure Dan's like, everyone agrees differently. Everybody agrees differently, y'all. Leave me alone. Everyone agrees differently. So losing two, two people in her life within five months at this point, five, six months, Dan was now a widow and had lost a child. She turned towards the church for her support, for support. Bitch, you were there when both of these people died. You think that that's like... Well, she started speaking to her pastor quite often. And through conversations, the pastor had actually found some of Diane's behavior very disturbing. Hmm. You don't say. Hmm. You don't say. Diana described an event around the time of Mark's passing that seemed like it was more of a celebration than a memorial service. Yes. So this is not the actual memorial service for Mark, the one that the band played at. Okay. It was a gathering of people that were meant to mourn for Mark, but it was more like a celebration of some kind. I mean, I understand a celebration of life, but sure. like a party? This is kind of like a party. Yeah. And only like, like certain people were invited. Namely, like, like a kickback. Like a kickback. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. So that fine, understandable celebration of life. Sure. Maybe it's like a close knit family thing. And then they had Mark's actual service. So why is it that Sean didn't get a service at all? What? Her son didn't get a service at all. In She's like, everyone agrees differently. Duh, everyone agrees differently. Well, that's why. No, that is very much bury the boy. Yeah. Like, sweep it under a fucking rug. To the point to where even a family member didn't realize that Sean had passed away until after this family member couldn't get a hold of Sean after a while. Like, a week or so. What? Yeah, and it was only until then did she start telling people in the family some people had to ask her where sean was and then she would tell them that she sean like had died. shows up to a family event like m- missing a child and they're yeah. like where's sean is he busy this weekend she's like oh he died oh by the way he died just mm-hmm. to let you fucking know seriously not even kidding what the hell what the hell yeah absolutely disgusted what's your excuse for that one everybody grieves like, differently <laughs> everyone grieves differently kinda. and nobody grieves sometimes because <laughs> they sometimes don't fucking nobody know. grieves. <laughs> like, god it's horrible so with all of this rachel diane's most prized daughter would actually move into sean's room since the death created a vacancy no oh yeah no she oh she knows oh, she yeah. was in on it she's like oh you the, think so when they go to church she's like mom i want sean's room and mom's like i got you <laughs> what Just, the fuck yeah. she's <laughs> the prize so pro- I, she's probably very similar to diane since they spend so much time together she might be in on it so again the family tried to piece themselves back together five months later all was calm in the stouty house until eight months later oh she waited an extra three this time (laughs) who else is gonna die 
In June of 2013, Sarah became sick. No! Upon hearing the news, the family's pastor made an anonymous phone call to local police, and he was fearful because he thought that Sarah would be next when he heard that she was sick. The police took the report, but with no proof of anything untoward happening, they could only take a report. Sure enough, within the next few weeks, Diane would rush her second eldest child, Sarah, to the ER. Doctors received Sarah in horrible condition. Her internal organs were failing, her brain was hemorrhaging, and she was in critical condition. When learning about this, police rushed to the hospital in hopes to talk to Sarah about what had transpired and her experiences in the home leading up to this event. Police learned that all of Sarah's testing came back negative for most causes of what the symptoms she was exhibiting were, Mm -hmm. and therefore it must be some kind of toxin being introduced into her system. Hmm. Springfield police, not LA, Springfield police then went back and looked through Sean and Mark's autopsy reports and realizing that there was the red rings that was consistent on both of the reports and realizing um, that they had similar, uh, I guess, like afflictions or symptoms, stomach aches and things like that, um, that they realized that they were probably all being poisoned. But of course, they can't do an autopsy now or anything like that. After speaking with multiple witnesses, detectives determined that both Sean and Mark had been experiencing the same symptoms, along with the ones that Sarah was experiencing. And with all of this, Diane was brought in for questioning. Okay, so this lady is, like, literally, like, she's going in order, clearly, with her husband and the the oldest child going down. But she's literally, like, just acting like everything's normal for eight months, and then she's like, hmm. All right, Sarah's next. Yep. Like, the person that I, like, you're, like, you're, uh, I, I can't even imagine that, like, and being in the house as one of the children, I'm sure, hopefully, they don't all die, but. Like, imagine being in that house and, like, her, her probably trying to convince you that, oh, your brother and your dad were just sick and they They're died. They're just sick, yeah. That they're having and complications. And that you're trying to, like, like, she's trying to put it in their head that they're sick. They're going to die. Like, yeah. But then imagine being, let's say, Sarah and say and seeing her brother and her dad be sick and die and then having the same, having symptoms. The same symptoms and realizing oh, shit, I'm probably going to die, too, but probably not even realizing that she was being poisoned. Right. It was just, like, a family illness. It was a family illness. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, that is so awful. You're fucking children. I'm sorry. I really don't know who the killer is. I I keep saying, like, it's her. It's probably fucking her, but... So Diane was cooperative at the beginning of the interview. After all, she had only thought that she was being interviewed for what happened to Sarah at this point. They're like, we need to talk to you about Sarah. Just, like, come on in. Just make sure, you know, like, whatever. I don't know. So not that police already at this point had done an entire investigation on Sean and Mark's death. So she stated that Sarah had only started becoming sick in the last week with headaches and kind of throwing up. She defended herself in saying that she didn't take Sarah to the doctor because she had, quote, seen the flu worse than what Sarah was experiencing and that it wasn't that bad, end quote, is what Diane said. Diane said that Sarah, well, I mean, that, again, it sounds sus, but... You know, Sean was known to get really sick. Maybe she was used to sickly Sean and not sick Sarah, right? Mm. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Diane said that Sarah had been sleeping for almost an entire day, but that that wasn't unusual (laughs) because she is a college kid. But once she came home from church, that Sarah was unresponsive and that Rachel had to help her carry Sarah into the car to rush her to the hospital. Why is this bitch always at church when things things are happening? She's doing she's, that because she's like, okay, she's I'm going to go to church. She's a good Christian lady. I usually place myself at church. <laughs> and then when I come back. Couldn't possibly be her. She was at church. Jesus. <laughs> Diane goes on to say that in response to the detective's questions on whether or not she knew what caused Sarah to become sick, Diane replied with, quote, well, she is bipolar. So my thing is like, did she do- try to overdose or something? End quote. I'm fucking sorry. What well, the fuck is bipolar. that sentence? What is that sentence? I know. This is ver- Okay, so every quote in here is verbatim because I watched that interview like a billion times. Yeah. Well, she is bipolar, so she probably just got the flu she and decided just- to overdose. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's horrible. The that fact is- that she leads with, well, she's bipolar. That has like, that has anything to do, anything to do with, with the fact that she's sick? 
Or does it? Is the mom fucking bipolar? <laughs> no, I'm telling you, she probably has fucking Munchenhausen. 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 <laughs> Munchenhausen. I always say Munchenhausen. 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 <laughs> Did we edit that out from that one episode? Because I think you no, said Munchenhausen a few times. I, well, I definitely edited it, so I didn't sound silly. But I remember I was like, um, the the. The person that the, you know, disorder is named after is Varen von Munchenhausen. Yeah, Varen von Munchenhausen. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. um, but <laughs> why, like, that has nothing to do with it, it doesn't. the situation. So Diane counter, actually countered her own statement about the possible overdose, saying that she had gone through Sarah's medications when she got home after taking Sarah to the hospital, and it didn't seem that anything was out of the ordinary. So, like, in the moment that she's like, well, she is bipolar, maybe she wanted to overdose. She was like, but then I went home and I checked all the drugs. It wasn't that. It's very bizarre. It's almost like she wants to give a, kind of give a reason as to why this might be happening to Sarah. But it's almost like this weird, and I'll, there's a, definitely another example or two that she gives, or that I can give um, in the interview. But it's almost like she wants to give enough information to kind of make them like to throw them off a trail but then she also kind of doesn't it's almost like she wants to take responsibility like in a weird way well she also i feel like she really wants to sound like reputable like she wants to be like i know everything about like everything she was doing this but it might be this like she's trying to like like dissect it for them Mm -hmm. you know even though she fucking knows exactly what happened she knows exactly probably what happened yeah um (laughs) It's almost like she wants to give them enough, but she also doesn't... It's like she's trying to, like, like peel back the onion with them, you yeah, know, kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's also maybe trying to gain, gain information about what they know, too. You know, like, if she's like, well, it might be an overdose, but, you know, like, da 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 You know, and then the detective go, well, in fact... It wasn't an overdose. It wasn't an overdose. Because of this and that. Exactly. Yeah. Which they're not going to fucking do that because they're trained interrogators. Of course. <laughs> She also continued to reference multiple times throughout the interview that the doctors had found nothing to indicate why Sarah was so sick. She's a registered nurse, and she keeps referencing multiple times that, the well, the doctors didn't find anything. The doctors didn't find anything. The doctors didn't know. The doctors The doctors have no idea. They can't She's explain thinking it. that she got away with it because yeah. they didn't find anything. She thinks, oh, I'm just going to go in for this little interview, and then everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, this is standard procedure when people get sick or something. Well, it's funny because this is only the first time she's been interviewed for a family member passing away. So you think that they're fucking onto something or not? Because <laughs> she right? weren't interviewed for the dad or the or son. Or the son. So the detective at this point asked Diane whether or not she thought Sarah would ingest anything that wasn't pills on purpose. To which Diane replies, quote, well, she could have gotten into some cleaners or something like that, end quote. And, quote, whatever it was, it did a number on her, end quote. Keep in mind, this is a grown-ass woman. This is not a toddler. This, this is a is 24-year-old also your woman. This is your fucking daughter. This is your daughter. Oh, it took a toll on her. Like it was cancer yeah, <laughs> or something. It did a number on her. It did a number on her. Like she ate an edible and she got really fucking high. Like, yeah. Or took some acid. That's but wild. The term, like the, the quote, she could have gotten into some cleaners or gotten stuff like that. into something. Like she's a dog. Like she's a dog. Yeah. Or just a toddler. Like across. I said. She just, yeah. Whoop, whoop. Drano. Oh, or I feed my children because I'm a good mom, quote unquote, good mom, and I poison their food when they're not fucking looking. She would again counter her own statement by saying that she couldn't picture Sarah doing something like that. But a second ago, you just said maybe she overdosed. Well, maybe she didn't because she didn't have any pills. But I couldn't see her drinking Drano or Windex. Maybe she got into cleaners, though. But maybe she got into some cleaners. Took a number on her. (laughs) Took a number on her. That's ridiculous. Isn't that so bizarre? She's, like, not helping her fucking case. Diane actually further retracts by saying that she doesn't believe that Sarah would actually hurt herself at all because Sarah didn't seem depressed. But she's bipolar. But she's bipolar. It's just really interesting because, again, we we were talking about that a second ago. She doesn't want to blame the victim at certain points, but she also doesn't want to give the detectives enough to work with. Yeah. It's really weird. So throughout the entire interview, Diane laughs makes jokes, and seems overall in a positive mood. Diane goes over family history of strokes, medical conditions, 
but she does agree with the detective when the detective implies that Sarah is too young to be experiencing these types of symptoms. Yeah, maybe, maybe Sean. She even, yeah. She even agrees that Sarah was actually in good health before this incident. She even mentions that Sarah's toxicology report came back negative. Keep in mind, she's a nurse. And she continuously slips when talking to detectives. At one point, she states that she thought that Sarah was going to die the night before taking her to the hospital. And the detective's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, her labs came back and they were really awful. It shows that, like, so when the lab, after she went to the hospital, the labs came back. So clearly she's acknowledging that Sarah was very sick. She thought that Sarah would die the night before. So why aren't you taking her to the hospital? It's just, it's absolutely gross. Um, you have medical training. Exactly. You have medical training. You know. And you just didn't think it was that bad. That's I've a seen stupid the flu excuse. worse. I've seen the flu worse than that. Oh, fucking poor Sarah. I mean, I feel like she moved back home from college and like this is what fucking happens. Like, it's oh awful. my God. When she wanted support and like yeah, help. Yeah, exactly. It's really sad. Ugh, I can hear this nasty woman's voice in my head. I can't Blech. stand it. Um... So yeah, like you said, Diane clearly has an understanding of how sick these people were, I think. Diane expresses that she was worried that it was going to, quote, happen again, end quote. Oh, but never Rachel. It's going to be the baby because Rachel is too perfect. The detectives do bring up Mark and Sean eventually and ask what happened to them. Diane states, when asked about Mark and Sean, that Mark had died of a heart attack and that Sean had died of a seizure disorder and that he was severely autistic. As if that's the cause of death. What the fuck? Not even kidding. She goes, oh, well, you know, and Sean, he just, you know, he had a seizure disorder and he was severely autistic. You're a fucking nurse. You should know that autism is not fatal. But she mentions it, like, on purpose. It's so strange. But, okay, if you remember, the ME reports were just saying natural causes, not heart attack, not seizure seizure disorder. disorder. She's trying to make it seem like they're different. Like, they're all different instances. Yeah. Uh-huh. And not potentially by the same thing. It's gross. Gross. The detective asks exactly, how do you die from a seizure disorder? Oh my god, yes. To which Diane had absolutely no reply. Keep in mind, again, like you said, she's a practicing nurse. The detective takes a short break, and um, this time is, at, by the time that they come back, they start kind of leaning into Diane, giving the feeling that, like, he's dominating the conversation at this point. Okay. Psychology. He bring- yeah, exactly. He brings up household cleaners and asks Diane if she knows about any of the cleaners that they have at the house that Sarah might have ingested to cause such a thing. Mm-hmm. Because, again, she's an RN. So Diane insists that she usually doesn't keep cleaners in the house that have very pungent smells because she doesn't like it. So she usually uses, like, all-natural stuff. So, again... Like, if you're using all-natural cleaners... How do you think that she got into something? Into something, or whatever, yeah. So just so I'm clear, Sarah, at this point during this interview, is still in the hospital. She has not Correct. passed away. Okay. She's in critical condition, however. Okay, I just yeah. want to make sure I'm... I in, like, severe condition. Mm-hmm. So the detective just peppers in the fact that even if certain cleaners would... Like, even if she were to ingest certain cleaners... It may be hard to stomach the taste alone. Does it does, yeah. doesn't matter what kind of cleaner it is, whether it's holistic or not. Like, you can't ingest a lot. Right. Because it would be gross. Yeah. <laughs> Most cleaners have terrible tastes, and not only that, but your body would usually just reject that immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at this point, it's, like, coming back around to this, like, who would do that on purpose, essentially? Exactly. Yeah. Who would, who would voluntarily drink bleach or a chemical like that, yeah. right? So at this point, I think Diane's, like, shitting herself because she's just, like, she starts becoming small. And she's already a small-framed woman. But she just kind of starts, like, going into herself at this point. And you oh. can kind of tell, like, it's getting to her, all I these questions. I need to see this interview. It's, it's really haunting, actually. The detective asks if she knows any reason that anybody would want to harm Sarah. And even asks if she thinks that Rachel might have done something to Sarah. To wow. which Diane adamantly states, no, absolutely not. Rachel would not do that. Rachel's perfect. She's perfect, y'all. So when asked if Diane thinks that this is a, uh, that an in-depth toxicology report would show anything suspicious, Diane said, quote, I don't think so. I mean, what would they even be looking for? End quote. The detective says, what do you mean? Quote, well, if you're looking for a chemical, I wouldn't even know what kind of chemical that would be. End quote. She later states, quote, 
I don't anticipate anything showing up, end quote. Not like, why would, like, why would they do that? It's clearly going to be negative because, yeah. she, you know what I mean? She's like, mm-hmm. what are they looking for? So I know, so I know what, what to say exactly. like, if this happens. What also, I want to be clear about the whole Rachel thing. I am not trying to be like, Rachel's perfect. I'm saying, like, Diane is saying that. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah. saying anything negative about Rachel, no, no, of course. No, yeah. but. So the detective then drops a bomb on Diane, and he states mm-hmm. that further testing on Sarah will be done extensively, and that they have acquired samples from the ME's office for both Sean and Mark, because they took I DNA from them before widened. the cremations. So that they're going to test the DNA that they have for, not DNA, but, you know, whatever the, the, sample. the samples that they have, you know. She gave out like a, huh, at that point. They start oh talking about God. finances and Diane goes on to describe what, she, so the detective essentially asks Diane, so when Mark passed, I, you know, what kind of financial gain did you get from that? Or not gain, but... Mm -hmm. you know from the insurance and she said that she had bought you know that she had sold the house and they bought the house so essentially that's what she gained from mark's death when asked what she did with the life insurance that she had out on sean she said the money that she had received from sean's death went to go pay off debt and when asked what she would do with sarah's life insurance policy she said probably pay off more debt so she already knew what she was going to be doing with the benefit money that she would be getting from Sarah's death. But Sarah hasn't died yet. Right. So how She's do you like, already know what you would do with the money? Oh my, that literally makes my stomach hurt. Isn't that awful? That is disgusting. That's your children. Not to mention, like, not for fucking nothing, but usually when you hear of things like Munchausen by proxy, I don't know if this is necessarily that case or it's just cold murder, but... It's, like, younger children. Mm-hmm. Like, these people are adults, 26 adults. and 24 years old. Or, yeah, right? Because Rachel's 22. Yeah, Rachel's yeah. 22, so Sarah's 24 and Sean was 26. Yeah, so 26 and 24 years old. Like, these are adults. Like, you have raised these children for 26 and 24 years, and mm. now all of a sudden they're expendable? Right. That's so disgusting. So, furthermore, um, Diane was saying that she was planning on taking a trip to Florida with the family i'll put quotes around family because yeah or lack because half of her family is like yeah oh my god but but of course it was planning it was because right and the money yeah exactly there was like some loose ends that they still hadn't tied up because she was waiting for sarah to die i think that's my speculation okay so let me just put this into perspective here if you want to take a trip Take out a fucking credit card. Take out a loan. Take out a line of credit or a loan. Don't buy a new house. Use that fucking money from that loan or the line of credit to pay for that trip. Don't (laughs) fucking murder somebody or three people now. Pick up Wednesday night shifts to play the organ. Fucking work. (laughs) She does work. Work more. Work more. (laughs) Anything to not fucking kill like three people. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, go. When asked to describe the relationship between herself and her late husband, Mark, Diane said that, quote, the marriage wasn't great, end quote. Quote, he wasn't the best husband, end quote. And, quote, he wasn't good for society, end quote. I'm so sorry. In what way? She had stayed because she was afraid that he would kill himself. So you murdered him? (laughs) That makes no sense. Well, I was just afraid not, he not, would kill himself, so I did it fucking for him. No. <laughs> she's not. She's not confessing to anything yet. I'm just. We all fucking know. We all know this it. This is not a secret anymore. <laughs> she, um, Sarah was staying at home too much. Was another thing that she was saying, um, and that it was impossible for Sarah to find a job. She said that quote Sarah is a difficult child to deal with. End quote. She often stated that she had argued with the kids often. Um, and that she had made references to feeling burdened by being a parent. I wonder where she fucking got that from. She constantly states that, uh, stated that almost everyone in the house wanted to kill themselves at one point or another during this whole interrogation. She's trying to, like, make it okay that they died. Well, it's okay that they died. It was a pity killing. Yeah, it was a pity killing. Um, I guess that, like, it's to ease our conscience or something. Of course it is. When asked about the cremation of Mark and Sean and confirming that she would also... (laughs) would have cremated Sarah in the event of her passing. She said that the caskets were simply too expensive 
And at this point, Diane asked if she needed a lawyer because she felt guilty that she didn't act sooner when her kids went, when taking her kids to the hospital. She's also in her mind, like, can we just cremate Sarah now before she accidentally wakes up and fucking, like, outs me? (laughs) Outs her. After listening to the detective for some time, Diane states that she had wished that she had just killed herself instead, to which the detective, of course, said, instead instead of of what? (laughs) During this entire interview, Diane evades questions for almost an hour and a half, um, and at this point, she just started saying that she didn't know anything for, for a long time. Until she began to talk to detectives as to why she's a bad person. And she said that she was a bad person because she knew that they, being Mark, Sean, and Sarah, were drinking antifreeze on purpose. All natural chemicals in the house? Where the fuck is the antifreeze? That doesn't doesn't meet the criteria of all natural chemicals. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sorry drinking antifreeze in the house like that's like it's like a, fun it's like an ongoing thing yeah like it's fun continuously drinking yeah. antifreeze yeah it's you know some hand sanitizer here some antifreeze there maybe like totally don't normal fucking buy any more antifreeze if that's actually happening <sighs> that's isn't that awful that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard no, she, they were doing it on purpose and she felt guilty because she didn't report them or take them to the hospital sooner. after after hours of interrogation she finally fucking says that don't you think if that was the truth that would be the first thing that she fucking said every single time one of these people died it gets better oh, or God. worse depending on yeah <laughs> welcome to diagnosing a killer <laughs> <laughs> At one point, Diane insinuated that Sarah was the perpetrator of Sean's death and that Sarah had been poisoning Sean to spite Diane. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how that's spiteful to Diane. Um, that's why she waited to take Sarah to the hospital, essentially to get back at her, because she knew that Sarah was poisoning her brother and that her brother had died. Therefore, she wanted Sarah to suffer when Sarah was drinking antifreeze on her own fucking volition, she didn't immediately take her to the hospital as payback for killing her son. This is the best part about trained interrogators and interrogations is that they always fucking end with the dumbass murderer just talking themselves into getting fucking arrested and admitting shit because they are so dumb. And she thinks that she can outsmart everybody and... Now she is talking in circles and contradicting herself and all this jazz. And also, another thing that I have to say about that is that I can't stand a pussy motherfucker that tries to blame one of their victims Victims. for a murder that they also fucking committed. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Essentially, she was trying to, like, say it was an attempted, like, murder-suicide thing. But, like, the slowest one fucking ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, she was like, oh, no, my daughter was poisoning my son, and then she murdered him, and then she slowly tried to commit suicide by drinking antifreeze. That makes literal no sense. No sense. No sense. Like, it's lunacy. Furthermore, she had also stated that Sean was the one that poisoned Mark. Oh, of course So there's, like, a did. whole line of poisoning here. And she's like, I don't know, I'm just going to go to church on Sundays and play the organ. And she's also like, I've known this information the entire time we've been sitting here and I could have solved all these fucking crimes this whole time. Like at this point, it's been a year, over a year. Yeah. You've known over a year that these people were drinking antifreeze or poisoning each other on purpose? That's so dumb. That's so weird. It's a fucking cop out. It's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. So she went on to say that after Mark's passing, that it was actually a relief for her and she just doesn't tell people that. She said that she was mad at them, meaning Mark and Sean and Sarah, that they were all poisoning each other and that, you know, she deliberately didn't take them to get help because she was mad. So it's this, so fucking dumb. It's awful. So with that, um, she agreed when the detective said that, at, like, the detective had asked her, do you think that your problems would be solved if they all just died? And she said yes. She agreed to that. They all, like, the three of them? Yes. Two of them already did, though. Right. Well, he's just saying, like, do you think that your problems would be solved? Like, financially, like, with this burden of you having this financial burden, they're constantly fighting or poisoning each other, they don't like each other, whatever. Do you think that it would solve your problems if they had just died? And she said yes. Or if they died. Convenient that that's exactly what fucking happened. (laughs) (laughs) So she's kind of, like, at this point, like, you know, just, she, yeah. She's admitting to shit. (laughs) Slowly but surely. Um, She went on to say that 
Sean and Sarah would trash the house and never contribute to chores that needed to be done. The detective asked how long Diane had been poisoning her children. (gasps) Straight up, how long have you been poisoning your children before they met their fates? She then admitted to the crime. She admitted that she was giving them antifreeze in their cokes. She started this just a few days before Sean's death and Sarah's hospitalization. So just a few days before each of these cases. She said that she didn't want them to suffer, however, so she tried to put in as much as possible without them noticing. She stated that she believed that they were already drinking it themselves, so she was just helping them along. Oh my fucking god. I was silent that whole time. I couldn't keep my fucking mouth. She also admitted that she had no idea how long the process would take. So she was like, oh, it's just like to make sure that it happens faster. But also I have no, I have no idea how long they could be suffering because she didn't know apparently, but she's also an RN. Convenient that she was the one that mentioned antifreeze like way earlier on. Yep. She began to explain that she got the antifreeze online because she knew that any regular retailer usually carries ethylene glycol or antifreeze with a bittering agent, which makes it to deter people from actually consuming it or alerts people that there's something in their drink because we know that's a problem. So she was actually purchasing the ethylene glycol um, in industrial gallons online because it had the, um, without the bittering agent in it, Mm -hmm. which makes it very, very sweet. So you can mask it and things like Coke and Gatorade and stuff like that. So she literally just changed her charge from like a crime of passion or anything to fucking first degree murder because that is absolute fucking planning. Yeah. Gallons. Industrial gallon sized. It doesn't matter if you were helping them along doing something, which I obviously is bullshit. She didn't fucking do that. But she literally planned this out. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Fucking idiot. Oi. So this is all starting to, like, come out little by little, right? Mm -hmm. And again, like, at this point, she's kind of, like, you know, in herself. And she just would answer questions like this. Just very, very stoic. Because she knows she's fucking caught. Yeah. And she's she knows she's caught. And at this point, it's like, well, I'm going to give him a little bit. Well, then that doesn't really explain that. So I have to give him a little bit over here Mm -hmm. and a little bit over here and a little bit over here. Which is painting a picture. Right. Exactly. So she had admitted to poisoning Mark over the course of three days, uh, but then she had stopped. Um, I don't know why. She didn't really explain that. She might have she might have changed her mind or something. But when Mark got better, she decided to continue the poisoning because she realized that she, quote, hated his guts. End quote. She said, I hated his guts. You're not that fucking important, lady. You <laughs> don't need incredible? to determine if he lives or dies because you because don't, you don't like, like him. him. Divorce is an option. Divorce. The detectives then asked... Um, for the motive of Sean's death. Sean was interfering with whatever Diane wanted to do. Sean would just be in her business. So he's a little annoying? He's annoying. That's that's a fucking reason for killing someone? Yep. Well, according to Diane's dowdy. She said she didn't know what else to do with him, but he made her wanted to pull her hair out. She described her only son as, quote, bizarre, end quote, and was more than a bother, more than a pest. Her son. Her autistic child, I'm sorry. What the fuck? Isn't that awful? This woman is cold fucking blooded. I'm not even kidding. Diane started poisoning Sean, and similar to her last pattern, she began to poison him, stop after a few days, then continue after she felt that he was doing better. I find this particularly interesting because she describes it as, like, changing her mind all of a sudden. Like, all of a sudden she has a heart. But then she's like... You know, she didn't stop because she thought that the last dose would do the trick. And then she would Mm -hmm. just... Because she didn't want to get caught, essentially, is what I think it is. And the way that she's explaining it to the detective is like, well, I kind of had a change of heart. And then, you know, they got better. And then I just... But really all it is, is she just wanted to do as little as possible, which is the complete opposite of what she said. Like stretching it out longer. Yeah, you're essentially making that person suffer longer, which is the opposite of what she said. She said that she tried to do it as much as possible Mm -hmm. so that just to help them, like she's fucking Kevorkian or something, when in reality, she was just microdosing them to keep them sicker or whatever (sighs) over and over and over again. I'm like actually nauseous just thinking about that. Sarah was poisoned over the course of four days, and when asked why she decided to take Sarah to the hospital instead of letting her die at home like the others, she said she couldn't do it. 
Diane denied that Rachel had any involvement whatsoever and then asked why Rachel and Brianna were allowed to live. Mm-hmm. Diane said, quote, because I love those two, end quote. So you didn't love the other three? She said that she's, quote, not a perpetual killer. I'm just stupid, end quote. Great fucking excuse. Well, at this point, the detective starts asking about her nursing history and is like, how long have you been an RN? Yeah. Are there any other people that you've Patients? harmed to try to get attention? To which, of course, she denied. But who who knows? Literally. If she's killed other people, other patients of hers. Because clearly, she likes the attention of whatever's going on here. Well, she probably took Sarah to the hospital because she was like, okay, either she's going to die at the hospital or she's not, and then I can just do this again. Yeah. So Sarah, at this point... Sarah was the last one. Yeah. Diane was arrested for murder at this point. Oh! <laughs> Detective's next course of action was to interview Diane's 22-year-old daughter, Rachel, given that the two were really close and they spent a lot of time together. They suspected that she might have known something about what was going on Uh since they were really, really close. Rachel began to tell detectives that Sarah was very lazy, that she loved to lay around, and that she had troubles with her sister for some time at this point. Rachel said that she was less than tolerable with her attitude. When asked why Rachel and her mother took Sarah to the hospital, Rachel said, after her dad and brother died, the thought of living in another death house was like, ew, gross. Don't even want to think about it. Houses are nasty when someone dies in it, is what she said. That's the only reason that they fucking took her to the hospital? Rachel was living in Sean's room at the time, remember? She moved into the room. Yeah. She said that she would frequently have nightmares about him. Rachel awkwardly laughs through the interview, and although she mostly keeps her arms crossed, she constantly swings her leg, which is her legs, which are crossed. That so, she has her leg crossed, and she's just swinging her leg constantly. Yeah. Anxious. Very anxious. The only time Rachel actually gets emotional is when the detective begins begins to mention the stress that Diane goes through on a daily basis, having to provide for the family. It's the only time she gets emotional. She's not get emotional talking about her dad, her brother, or her sister. When she starts talking about the emotional and the, the, all of the stress that Diane goes through with the finances and, and the deaths and all of She's stuff. brainwashed. She, she cried. The detective tells Rachel that her mother, early in the day, had actually confessed to killing her dad and her brother and attempted to kill her sister. Other than a hand over her mouth, Rachel shows absolutely no emotion at first. She does not say a word, she does not appear to be wide-eyed, and she does not ask what happened at all. So she's not <coughs> someone that's shocked hearing the news that her mother committed three murders. She's reacting to the fact that the detectives know that her mother killed the, killed these three people. I think she already fucking. Knew. I think she's reacting to the fact that her mother confessed. Yeah, exactly. Something. Not yeah that that the mother like had had told detectives essentially everything. She begins to cry at this point, and the detective explains that Diane confessed that what exactly she had confessed to. Mm-hmm. When asked if she had any involvement, she denies it. The next day, the police bring Rachel in uh, again for questioning. So she, they, she's allowed to leave at that point. She comes back in for questioning. Um, at this point, they had warrants for the house and all this other stuff, right? So they're going through everything. They bring her back for more questioning. After the house was searched for evidence of the crimes, they found a journal belonging to Rachel. In the journal, police found entries that indicated that she knew that her dad was dying and that Sean would be next. (gasps) The entry stated, quote, It's sad when I realize how my father will pass on in the next two months. Sean, my brother, will move on shortly after. It'll be tough to get through these changes, but everything will work out, end quote. So it's hella premeditated. Yeah, even Rachel knew. What did yeah. I say earlier, though? I had a hunch yeah, that a she hunch. was the star pupil. I take back what I said about her not being bad. At this point of the interrogation, Rachel begins to confess that she did know about the poisonings. She said that it was her mother's idea with her dad first, and that although Rachel didn't condone the murder of her sibling, she did not want to go against her mother. Rachel insisted that Sarah knew about the poisonings as well, and that it may be a motive for Diane to poison Sarah, because Sarah knew everything okay. that was going on. Rachel would sum it up in these three statements. Dad was for a little piece. Sean was annoying. Sarah was nosy, very nosy, and had no purpose. 
Are you fucking kidding me? Who the hell are you to decide who has a purpose in this fucking world and she's, who doesn't? She's her, the daughter of her mother. I mean, clearly they find these to be reasonable. Reasons. Reasons. Motives. That's ridiculous. When asked who would be next, Rachel said that Brianna would be next. That it was just going to be Rachel and her mom. Of course. That's exactly what they both fucking wanted. And it's because Brianna also suffered from a learning condition as well. And that yeah. makes her less deserving of mm -hmm. living. Rachel said that she was really surprised when her mom uh, wanted to go through with killing Brianna because uh, Rachel said that Brianna had, quote, potential, end quote. Potential for fucking what? I don't know. I'm assuming that she, again, it's that they think that they can manipulate, not manipulate, but I guess like mold her in a way that yeah. they want she's a, her to live. She's young. Exactly. And, like, Sean was lazy, and Sarah was lazy. Everybody was just lazy. Diane entered an Alfred plea for two counts of first-degree murder, which is when the defendant acknowledges that although they can claim innocence, they realize that there's enough evidence to put them away or to convict them of the crime. Oh, so they're like, you realize it's kind of like evidence. no contest, but it's also, like, kind of like I murdered them. Yeah. <laughs> So Diane was actually sentenced to life in prison without the, without the possibility of parole. Rachel would actually testify against her mother in court to receive a plea deal. Oh my god. Rachel is serving two life sentences for second-degree murder with the possibility of parole after 42 years. She'll be 64 years old. Yeah, oh my 64. god, 64. And she was 22. Sarah, unfortunately, would never recover from her from the damage that she sustained from the poisoning. <sighs> she has physical and mental struggles permanently and has to live with an assist in an assisted living home. Oh, my God. Sarah read a victim impact statement in court to her mother saying, quote, Not only did she take away my dad, my brother, and my brother away from me, but she also took away my livelihood and my independence. I prefer to be called a survivor and not a victim. Oh, that's so awful. Isn't that an intense case? I have never heard that. I mean, that I've bizarre? heard, obviously, similar stories, but I have never heard about that one, and it was recent, like, in the last couple, like, last 10 years. That's... Yeah, I think they were sentenced in 2018, I want to say. That's, so four, that's yeah. a crazy story. I had, knew that, I knew it was her from the beginning, obviously, but I had a hunch that Rachel had something to do with it, or at least yeah. she knew more than she was, I know, know, right? And you thought that she knew. How selfish, though. Like, how? Do you think you're better than everyone else, and you can just, like kill people left and right because they're lazy like sounds like a psychosis honestly. it does and it sounds like there was i mean that sounds like there was a fucking million other options like divorce the fucking husband kick your 24 26 and 24 year old children out of the house mm -hmm. they're not i mean sean of course had his um extra needs but mm -hmm. give them to someone else do something like have someone else take take over if well, it was that big of a fucking deal don't just kill people because you're that makes you lazy for not wanting to fucking do the Deal hard with shit. It. And yeah, exactly. And fucking be a mother. But it's also wild to me that she did that after so many years. Like, again, usually when you hear cases like this, the kids are much younger. Mm -hmm. At least, like, at teenagers, you know, at the yeah. most. Like, it, was, it makes odd. me wonder, though, because, okay, so I'm going to say two things. Um, one of the things is that Rachel had said in her interviews that um, Diane had tried to get someone to come stay in the house mm -hmm. with Sean, um, like kind of like a live-in mm -hmm. assistant, um, but that it never really worked out because he would have outbursts, right? So, I mean, what I'm, that may be an excuse. I don't know how long they tried for that. Not yeah. only that, but where did they get the finances for that? I'm sorry. It can be kind of expensive. Yeah. I wonder if Diane just thought, well, that's too expensive it's to like do that. It's, like, too much for what it's worth or yeah. whatever. That's ridiculous. And I agree that with what you're saying. That shouldn't be a fucking reason, though. Like, So not only that, but let's see if she... I wonder how old she was, because I'm wondering if there's not some underlying mental disorder... Oh, absolutely. ...that was underneath... But what I'm saying is that, you know, was she a loving and doting mother up until this point? Like, did she have a psychosis of some kind that developed later... I don't think something like that develops that old. I mean, if her oldest was 26, she had to at least be, like, 40 And she was married something. for 27 years. Yeah. So. I don't think that that's something that necessarily yeah, develops. I mean, of like course, an environmental 50s. trauma can make something develop um, if you experience that. But as far as we can tell, there wasn't really anything specific. I think that maybe she always had feelings like that. Maybe she was always, like, in that mindset and maybe just decided to act upon it. And as mm -hmm. soon as, you know... 
she was very unhappy with the husband. She got away with murdering him. Mm -hmm. She was like, okay, like, I can take... This is how I'm going to take care of the problems in my life. It's just by making it seem like people just died and they were part of my family and whatever, you know? And it worked for her the first two times. I mean, not worked for her. That sounds bad. But she Mm -hmm. got away with it for as long as she did for the first two times, you know? Yeah. And then maybe when it was Sarah, she kind of, like, shot herself in the foot and got choked up and was like, wait, whoa, this is, like, getting away out of hand or Mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, not trying to give her any fucking benefit of the doubt. No, yeah. But, um, also, like, I don't know if it's Munchausen because I don't think she would have killed them as fast as she did if that was the case. Well, that's what I'm thinking, too, is, like... She clearly didn't tell anybody that they were sick. Or maybe she did have Munchausen and Sean was old enough and independent enough that he didn't rely on her for so much anymore and she wanted him to. Ooh, that's an interesting thought because, yeah, maybe maybe that was her attention. She clearly felt the need to, like, go to church and, like... And Sarah moved back from college. She needed help and... The dad was very busy and obviously had this drinking problem and health issues. He needed assistance as well. Like, she felt like, we call it the whale at work, someone that puts everyone else on their back, like, that Mm -hmm. just takes care of everything in the house and, like, that's just how they are. Maybe that's how she felt. And then as soon as it became, like, too much of a burden, she's like, oh, they need me so much. Like, I'm doing a mercy thing for them. Yeah, it's like a pressure relief valve. It's like, kill one. Oh, okay, that feels better for a while. And then there's still all these other problems. Yeah. And then, oh, kill another, you know, release a little bit of that. That's awful, though. Yeah, because that's so right. Because even when she was talking about Mark to other people, she was saying he had, like, a drinking problem and, like, all sorts of... He needs help. He needs help. Yeah, that she was exacerbating or making it seem like it was bigger than it was. building a profile for him so that when he did die, it wasn't, like, a shock. No, I mean, like, to gain, to garner attention and sympathy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he has a drinking problem. Oh, this poor woman. Yeah. Who constantly goes to church and she does nothing wrong and she has this successful daughter, daughter, so terrible that her husband's an alcoholic, you yeah, know, and that yeah. she gained attention that way too. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. But that was a really great case. Thanks. I'm happy that you brought that one. It, um, super excited we got to sit down again together yeah. and go over another case. We've again been both been very busy, but we're definitely super excited to keep bringing those cases to you guys. Uh, I know that we said we were going to do some big names, so I'm excited for my next case. It's going to be a really big one. And also, I know that Jeffrey Dahmer has been like trending on like everything. Um, so he has he, he has a new Netflix like a new Netflix do- oh, uh, documentary that. that came yeah. out. Everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like. I say trending like it's a good thing, but for real, like, a lot of social media has been about that new uh, documentary, and I hmm. haven't watched it yet, but I'm not sure if it's a, a reenactment or, like, a... I think it is. Yeah, or it's a, I think it is. I think it's different than, like, a documentary. I call it, like, a biopic or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Either way, I'm whatever. definitely excited to watch that, and uh, we'll definitely have to do... I, I don't want to do an episode on him anyway, so <laughs> we should yeah. uh, we should definitely do that. Um, but other than that, you got anything else? No, I think that's it. Think I'm excited a for a Halloween case. episode. I want to do a Halloween oh, episode. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we will catch you guys next time. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Diagnosing a Killer, at patreon.com slash Diagnosing a Killer if you like what we do and you want to support us uh, that way. We also have Twitter at Killer Diagnosis, and we have TikTok at Diagnosing a Killer, as well as a Gmail account, diagnosingakiller at gmail.com. If you want to just shout us out, give us some love, or just any suggestions or anything like that, we can send to that email. So other than that, I think that we are done. I am starving Marvin. I'm gonna oh, go yeah. Eat. <laughs> you have food in the other room. I know. It's All like right. almost midnight <laughs> over here. So we got we to gotta get to bed. But love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.